please turn with me to Matthew chapter 6. The title of the message today is From Worry to Worship. And so I'm going to teach you something today that I believe that will, will help every believer to navigate what's coming down the road in our world right now in the UK and what is happening with our economic crisis and all the, the challenges. I really do believe that the Word of God has an answer for us to navigate through and also to, to be able to come out the other side and still be a blessing to other people as well as our lives being blessed by God. Are you ready for it today? Okay, Matthew 6. Therefore, I tell you, do not worry about your life. That's easy for you to say, Jesus, isn't it, today? What you will eat, what, about your body or what you drink, or what you will wear. Is life more than food and the body more than clothes? Look at the birds of the air. They do not sow or reap or store away in barns, and yet your heavenly Father feeds them. Are you not much more valuable than they? Can any one of you, by worrying, add a single hour to your life? And why do you worry about clothes? See how the flowers of the field grow? They do not labor or spin, and yet I tell you, not even Solomon in all his splendor was dressed like one of these. If this is how God clothes the grass of the fields, which is here today and tomorrow thrown into the fire, will he not much more clothe you, you of little faith? So do not worry saying, what shall we eat, or what shall we drink, or what shall we wear? For the pagans run after all these things, and your heavenly Father knows that you need them. But seek first his kingdom and his righteousness, and all these things will be given to you as well. Therefore, do not worry about tomorrow, for tomorrow will worry about itself. Each day has enough trouble of its own. Father, we thank you, Lord, for your word today. We pray, Lord, for every heart and everyone listening online too, that your word, Lord, would fall on good soil, that, Father God, that we would receive it, believe it, and obey it, and receive a harvest to our lives. And we ask it in Jesus' name. Amen. So how many of you in the room, and how many of you online, I can't see you online, how many of you are worried right now? Come on, put your hand up. Only three of us. Wow, should we not? I don't want to bother preaching this sermon then. I've got it wrong today. I'm going to ask you again, and I want you to be honest. How many of you are worried at all right now about your life and about what's coming in our, in our, down the road in our country? Right, a few of you. Okay, that's going to help some of you today then. And so Jesus said, do not worry, because he knows that we will worry about some things in our life. And so worry can be a feeling of anxiousness or trouble about actual potential problems. And most of the time that we worry is about things that haven't happened yet in our lives. So some of you are thinking, what's going to happen next week? Or what's going to happen when this happens? Or when this goes up or that stops? Some of you begin to worry about things that's not really happened yet. There's a PhD that has wrote an article and says, are you an excessive worrier? Perhaps you unconsciously think of uh, uh, about worrying. And he says, if you worry enough, you can't prevent bad things happening to you. No matter how much you worry, it's not going to change the fact that things are going to happen to your life. And it says this, worrying can affect your body in ways that may surprise you. 
When worrying becomes excessive, it can lead to feelings of high anxiety and even cause that your physically body will become ill. Worry is feeling uneasy or or being overly concerned about a situation or a problem. With excessive worrying, your mind and body go in overdrive as you constantly focus on what might happen. In the midst of excessive worrying, you may suffer with a high anxiety, even panic during waking hours. Many chronic worriers tell of feeling a sense of um, impending doom or unrealistic fears that only increase their worries. Ultra-sensitive to their environment and and criticism of others makes them even worse in their lives. So worrying so much in your life can really affect your lifestyle habits, your appetite, your sleep, your relationships, and your performance. And it tells us this, that so much so that many who worry so much begin to develop a harmful lifestyle habit over eating, uh, addictions to nicotine or alcohol or drugs or something else which try and eases the worry. And so I want to encourage you today to listen to what Jesus said. He said, I tell you not to worry. And you're saying to me, but Jason, there's more to worry about today than just eating, drinking, and clothes. Look at the mortgage increase that's coming. Look at the interest rates. Look at the cost of living with inflation rates and the the energy crisis and the the bills that's going to soar. And not only that, the war in Ukraine and what the effect is having on our lives and what's going to happen when winter comes with NHS and all the issues that's coming right now. And I'm not sure that we're going to be able to make it through our lives. And Jesus says, I tell you not to worry. So what's the answer to not to worry. And so Jesus gives us some clear things in the Bible in, in this passage that will help us turn our worry into worship because worship is more than a song. Okay? Now it's great to sing when we worry because it begins to deal with stuff in the atmosphere and our hearts. But Jesus gives us some steps that we must take if we are not going to worry. Now, when Jesus says do not worry, he's not saying don't be responsible for your life. He's not saying these, these things are not important. He's just saying don't make them priority. Because if you make them priority, worry is the, the, anti, the response to you trying to manage all these things. In fact, the Bible is full of seasons of plenty and then seasons of famine. Do you know, right through the Old Testament, into the New Testament, the, the people of God had times of blessing, but they also had time of need. And it's going to be no different to your life. And the Apostle Paul says this. He said, I'm not saying this because I am in need, for I have learned to be content in whatever circumstances. I know what it's like to be in need, and I know what it's like to have plenty So here's the two extremes of of life for us as Christians. Some people say that you should never have a problem in your life, and that's not true. And then some other people will tell you that all you have is problems in your life and never get blessed. But it's not true. There is a balance and there is seasons that come into your life and into our life. And so he says this, but I have learned the secret 
of being content in every and any situation. He said, whether well-fed or hungry, whether living in plenty or in want, I can do all things through Christ who gives me the strength. The Apostle Paul experienced times of blessing, but he also experienced times of famine. And right now in our, in our uh, nation, we've had seasons of prosperity. The interest rates, not even 1%. Now they're going to come up more than we can even think about. And so we are moving into a time, what you like, of famine that's coming down the road in our nation. A time of restriction in our lives of where we could be free to spend more on things where now we're going to have to tighten our belts a little bit. Say amen. Amen. Because some of you don't like to budget. Because we just believe in the supernatural that God will keep paying the bills as long as we keep spending more than we can afford. Come on. And so throughout the Old Testament, Isaac knew a time of famine. So did Abraham and the people of God. And so Jesus says, I want to tell you how to manage the season of famine, the time of hardship that may be coming into your life. And I want you to know that even though food and clothes and and, and everything else of necessity is very important for us to navigate and manage and give our life to, what he's saying is don't allow that to overtake your heart and your mind that you lose priority of who's in control of your life. Jesus wants us to be responsible. He said, don't be like the pagans who run after all these things. In other words, make them the priority of their life. Because they don't even know God. But you who know God must begin to, to um, respond differently to the crisis. Must, to be, must approach the famine seasons differently to those who do not know God. And so I can understand the world out there that doesn't know Jesus who are panicking because the only reliance is themselves or their family members or somebody else that's their friends. But I want to say to you today that we have Almighty God who is with us and already that Des has declared from the Psalms that He is our provider. And so as a Christian today, as those are in Christ, you have to know that God is your source. Come on. If you don't know that, you're never going to be able to navigate famine seasons because you begin to panic and worry that how am I going to manage through this when you look at your resources and you look at what you have to manage in your life. But Jesus gives us some steps that we need, need to take. And so we have to understand that in famine times, listen to me, as well as honouring God, you've got to budget. You've got to know what you can afford to buy. Don't keep getting credit cards that you'll buy now, pay later, because you will pay later. And they'll be worrying about how I'm going to pay the credit card off. And so you have to, you have to tighten, the, tighten the ship. You have to know what's coming in and know what priority needs to go out. Let me say, some luxuries may need to be put on hold for a season, but not forever. You, not, you may not be able to live how you lived two years ago. So your standards needs to change to the season of your life. If you're saying, I'm always used to eating fillet, you might need to change your mindset and have a burger. (laughs) 
If you always think that you can live up how you used to live three years ago with the same income, you are mistaken. So you have to adjust your lifestyle and to say, what is it that I can manage? Am I getting daily bread? Because that's what God promises us, daily bread. Daily necessity to manage through till tomorrow. God promises provision. But sometimes we have a lifestyle that lives beyond our means and therefore gets us into trouble. And so we have to budget and manage and we have to work hard. See, God's provision is not contradicted to you working. In fact, the Bible says if a person doesn't work, he shall not eat. And then there is the church and people that's generous who in the early church when they lost their possessions and they had no means of provision, the church shared their possessions. And so the thing is this, if, you're not, if, you, if you can work and you don't work, if you don't manage your money well, then don't, please don't ask the church to help you bail you out because you're irresponsible. So you have to manage your side of the bargain and God will turn up in your life. And so we have to do our part and we want to be generous and we want to be kind. We want to support one another, but we have to begin to live in righteousness, you know, and sometimes in life, Jesus says, you know, you're worrying so much about your life that you're not even going to add a single hour to it. And I want to speak to somebody that's came in church today and you've been worrying for a long time about stuff and God is saying that is not going to add to your life. Worrying one minute more about your situation is not going to add to your life, only take from your life. The hours that you've sat up, waking up in the night, thinking about what's going to happen through worry is losing time on your life. And Jesus is not going to add to it. So you've got to change your worry into worship. And how are you going to do that? And so we constantly think also about the worry that we lose, the, the, the blessing right now, in fact, it was... Um, swindle that says worry pulls tomorrow's clouds over today's sunshine some of you are so worried about tomorrow that you lose the blessing for today I want to say look at yourself today you're alive you're eating today you, you've got breath in your body today let tomorrow when tomorrow comes worry about tomorrow if you're going to worry but don't worry about what you haven't experienced yet but what you've got already and you lose your life thinking about next week when you miss out on today's blessing. That God has given you life today to live to the full. And it doesn't depend about your bank balance. Because you see, some millionaires are still not happy. But you need to manage how we go forward. And Linda preached an amazing sermon last week. If you didn't hear it, you need to hear it. It was awesome. And in Genesis 22, he says to Abraham, I want you to give me your son, your only son, and lay him on the altar. And it was there when Abraham took a step of obedience to God's word that God provided for him. And in that moment, Abraham could prove that God was true to his word and said, the Lord provides. And God, in this season of famine, that many of you are going to be able to prove God if you will just obey him. That, you know, some of you will need to obey his word so you can prove God is faithful in your life. And God is going to ask you for some things in your life in famine times, just like he did with Isaac. When he said to Isaac, you plant a seed and I will bless you. But it was in famine time. 
And sometimes in famine times, we want to withhold from God's word and therefore we restrict God's blessing on our life. And so what do we have to do? Genesis 23 says, He said to the servants, Stay here with the donkey while I and the boy go over there. Where was over there? Over there where he's going to go and put his son on an altar and, and sacrifice him. He said, I'm going to do that. He says, but we will worship and then come back to you. Wow. He could have worried about what was going to happen to his only promise and his son because his, his future was tied up in Isaac. So he could have worried his way to the mountain, but he never, he worshipped his way because he had something in his heart he knew about God that we need to know. And so I want to help you turn your worry into worship. The first thing that you have to do is that you have to focus on the goodness of God as our source and our provider. Abraham said to Isaac when he said, Dad, where's, where's the sacrifice? He said, don't worry, son, the Lord will provide. He knew. Listen, he knew whatever God asked of him. He knew that God was his provider. If you do not know that God is your source, you will never make it through famine times. You'll never turn worry into worship. And so many Christians actually rely on their resources as their provider and not God. And some of you in this room and online, you think your job or your relationship or your bank account is your source and it isn't. Because when your bank account goes, God's still alive. When your job gives you the boot, God's still on his throne. They're only resources. God is your source. Because when you make your resource your source, it's called idolatry. And God will have no other God before him, and especially money. And so God is your source. So listen, if, if your job... To, uh, phones you up and says, I'm sorry, you've lost your job and, and you've, been, you've been faithful, you've been on time, you've worked hard and you've got no proper reason of getting the sack. But you've been a great worker and the phone rings and they say, sorry, you've lost your job. You don't fall to pieces. Why? Because that was only a resource. Why? Because God is your source and if one door closes, another will open. Amen. Come on. You see, if you run around in fear that everybody in your life is your source, you'll be, you'll be controlled and manipulated. And so we don't rely on people. We're thankful for people, but we rely on God. Someone said that some trust in chariots and some in horses, but we trust in the name of the Lord. And so you know what, guys? It doesn't really matter what you give in your tithes and offerings because I'm not preaching for you to give more money in the offerings that we will get a salary because if you don't, it doesn't really matter because God will provide. Why? Because he's done it for 30 years since we decided to leave our jobs and follow Jesus and he's never fell short with one payment. That's not arrogance, that's faith in a God that will honour his word. And so I know whatever's coming down the road, as long as I am faithful on my part, God is always faithful. And if you don't know that God is able to provide for your needs, you'll never turn your worry into worship. Jesus said, look at the birds of the air. And so it's easy to see what Jesus is saying. He said, look, I know you're concerned about the, the necessity and you sorting out your life, but, but look at the birds of the air. They, they neither worry, sow or eat, but yet your heavenly Father feeds them. Do you know that there is 50 billion, between 50 and 430 billion birds on earth and not one of them goes hungry? 
And Jesus said, look, guys, look at, I look around at all these birds. Your heavenly Father feeds them. And so what Jesus is saying, listen, if he takes care of the birds and he provides for them, how much more will he provide for you? And so he wants to know that. You see, everything that is created has been created by God. God is our provider. He is the source. In Deuteronomy 2, it says, For the Lord your God has blessed you in all the work of your hands. See, that's what you do. He knows you're going through this great wilderness. These 40 years, the Lord your God has been with you and you have lacked nothing. Come on. If God has done it before, he will do it again. Why? Because he is faithful. He is our provider. It's who he is. He can't help but do it. But there are some principles that releases God's favour and provision into our lives. And one is that we need to trust that he is our source. That he is our only source. Thank God for our jobs. Thank God for our business brain. Thank God for whatever he's put into our hands. But you should never forget that God has given you the ability to whatever you've got in your bank right now, God's given you the brains and the breath and the ability to actually gain that. He's allowed you to get up one more day today. He is your source. You're not your own source. He's allowed you and blessed you with your gifts and your talents and your opportunities. We must never forget that. Begin to worship him for who he is. He says, see, look at the flowers in the fields. They do not labor or spin yeah, I tell you, even Solomon in all his splendor was not dressed like one of these. If that is how God clothes the grass of the field, which is here today and gone tomorrow, how much more will he clothe you, you of little faith? Here's a key. Faith in what? Faith in God. That he is your source. That he knows everything you need. And if you will turn your worry into worship, and you will stand when, when things are coming. You think, I don't know how I'm going to get by this week. And then you say, I'm going to change gear in my thinking and say, hold on a minute, who's in control? And you begin to worship him, that he is your source. It brings delight to him because God loves relationship. I was knowing to get him better. You know, I love famine times. You're saying, what are you talking about? Because it helps us to grow in who God is. He proves himself to you in famine times. And that's why I'm not worried about what's coming down the road because God will prove himself stronger in your life. And I believe at times God allows things to see what's in you, to see how much trust that you have in him. And he says, look at Solomon. He said, all these flowers, he says, 360,000 species of flowering plants, 360,000 species of flowering plants. And Jesus said, Solomon, the only splendor is not like one of these. They don't even worry about blooming. And God takes care of them and gives you all the beauty. It says that Solomon was the richest man in the world. He's known to be $2.1 trillion. He had 24 tons of gold every year. It didn't include the business plans, the trade deals, the ships, the fleets of ships. It says in Chronicles. And the Bible says, and God 
give him the ability to be this kind of wealthy. God that did it. He said, in fact, Solomon, because you've not asked for wealth and you've asked for wisdom to manage my people, you sought first the kingdom. I'm going to give you wealth as well and make you the richest person that ever lived. See, Solomon knew the principle before Jesus told us about the principle. Seek first the kingdom and all these things, the things that you spend your time worrying about will be given to you as well. So here's a key. Who covers the heavens with clouds? Who provides rain with the earth? Who makes grass grow on the mountains? For all the animals of the forest are mine, and I owe the cattle on a thousand hills. Psalm 35 says, I was young and now I'm old, yet I've never seen the righteous forsaken or their children begging for bread. And Paul would say, and my God will meet all your needs according to his riches in Christ Jesus. The first thing that we need to turn our worry into worship is know that God is our source and he has not run out of resource. If he can get water from a rock, come on. If he can feed bread from the heavens, manna, every day, how much more will he provide for you? Because we serve an awesome God who is not phased by famines. We provide with every need and spiritual need. And I can go on to the scriptures, but for time I'm going to go on. And so the first thing that you have to do is that you have to know that God is your source. Know he is good and that he is your provider. Jesus said, how much more will your heavenly father look after you? The second thing that you have to focus on is that you have to focus that you are valuable as his child. You see, you'll only worry when you think that your Heavenly Father doesn't care for you. Your children will only worry when they think their mum and dad won't care, look after them. And you know that's not true. You will do anything you can for your kids, hopefully. That you will make them so secure that you will look after them and give them their desires, maybe not all the time. Maybe you have to refrain on some like God is at times. But they will know that you love them And Jesus is trying to say to us, don't you know that you are valuable? And if you don't know you're valuable to God, you'll always worry. Because one thing is knowing that he's your source, but the other thing is that you know that that you're valuable to him. And you need to know that you're valuable. How much more valuable are you than they are? Will he not much more clothe you? For the pagans run after all these things, and your heavenly Father knows that you need them. And so another key is that, number two is that you're valuable to God. And and you know, Isaiah says that when you pass through the waters, I'll be with you. When you pass through the rivers, they will not sweep over you. When you walk through the fire, you will not be burned. The flames will not set you ablaze. For I am the Lord your God, the Holy One of Israel, your Savior. So God is faithful and God loves you and God cares for you. And it was Jeremiah that says, because of the Lord's great love, we are not consumed. For his compassions never failed. They are new every morning. For great is your faithfulness. And so I want to tell you, number one, God is your source. Number two, that you are valuable to him. In fact, Romans 8 really sums it up so good for us. He says, what shall we say in response to these things? What things? If God is for us, 
then who can be against us? He who did not spare his own son, bottom line, that's how much God cares for you, that he gave his only son for you to die on the cross for all your sins. Who will bring any charge against those who God has chosen? It is God who justifies. Who then is the one who condemns? No one. Jesus Christ who died. More than that, it was raised to life. Is at the right hand side of God also interceding for us? If that's not enough, paying the price for our sins, he's now praying for us constantly, day and night. We can't fail. We can't fail. The Holy Spirit is here. Jesus is praying for us and the Father's given his word. We cannot fail. Why? Because he's the source and we are loved and God has a plan for our lives. And so Paul says, who shall separate us from the love of Christ? Shall trouble, hardship, persecution or famine, nakedness, danger or sword? He says, no, in all these things, we are more than conquerors through him who loved us. I love it. Who loved us. For I am convinced that neither death nor life, angels nor demons, height nor depth, nor anything else in all creation can separate us from the love of Christ that is in Christ Jesus. See, nothing can separate you. No famine, no hardship, no pain, no crisis can separate you from the love of God getting to your life. Why? Because you're valuable to Him. The cross says it all. He went through hell to get to you, to provide you with salvation. How much more will He do for you to provide you with some bread? Come on, church. Jesus said, I've told you these things that you will have peace in this world. You will have trouble, but take heart. I have overcome the world. <laughs> and Peter will tell us, cast all your anxieties on him because he cares for you. He cares for you. That's why we can turn worry into worship. Because God is going to take care of me. He is the source and he can take care of me. And the third thing is you need to focus on God's kingdom and his righteousness. But seek first. This is what we've got to do. These are the things that God will do. Now what we've got, we've got to seek first the kingdom and all his righteousness. Please don't take shortcuts in hard times. Don't do unrighteous choices in hard times. Seek first his kingdom and his rightness. Live righteously. Don't lie, don't cheat, don't be dishonest because you think I'll get more. No, honour God in your life and God will honour you. But put him first in your life. Make sure he's the point of all your decisions and all your dreams and all your pursuits. Put him first in your life. Jesus, if you put me first, then these things will be added to your life. And the problem is in life, in church life, we actually put things before Jesus. Things before him. And he said, if you switch it around, you can turn worry into worship. Put me first and these things will be added to you as well. Jesus said, the best command is to love the Lord with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your mind. This is the first and greatest commandment. The first, to love him with all of your heart. See, Mary and Martha 
was distracted by all the preparations that she made. Martha, Martha, he said, why are you worried and upset by many things? But a few things are needed and only one. And Mary has chosen what is better and it will not be taken away from her. What did she choose? She chose Jesus first. Now we need a busy church and we need a worshipping church. We don't need a worrying church. But she chose what is better. In the midst of worry and all the things that need to be taken care of, she said, at this moment, I need to put my priority right and put God first. And then I'll get back to the dishes after. And so we have to put first the kingdom of God and all these things will be added to you. And finally, the last thing and the most important thing is, is that you have to focus on God's promises and through faith take steps of obedience. Verse 33, and all these things will be added unto you. <clears throat> and all these things will be added unto you. Can I just say in this last five minutes that I've got to, to talk to you, there is not one promise that God has for your life that will come to pass unless you take a step of obedience. It's not going to happen. The supernatural provision of God's provision for your life, now you can manage your own provision in your own, in your own self, your own business, you can do all that yourself, but if you want God's supernatural provision in your life, every promise in the Bible is attached to your obedience. Every promise of blessing, of finances in the Bible is attached to your obedience to what he asks of you. Abraham would never have seen the provision in the thicket if he wouldn't have obeyed God. Abraham would never have been able to declare the Lord is my provider if he would not have obeyed what God asked him to do. And everywhere in Scripture, when it comes to finances... And I want to really encourage you today. I want you to experience the blessing of God supernaturally out of the blue stuff when you obey God to receive his promises because the relationship with God is really important for us. He wants to know that you can trust him and he wants to, he wants to know if he can trust you. And in any relationship, you know that there are some vital uh, important things in a relationship and one of them is trust. And once trust is broken, it ruins the relationship. And, and most of those times it's because we say things that we don't actually do and we don't honour our word. And when we don't honour our word, we usually say, oh, you can't trust them. But you know, with God, you can never say that about him. Because whatever he asks you to do, he will never fall and fail on his promises what God says he will do, he will always do. But you will never experience what he can do unless you do what he asks you to do. Never experience it. How do I know that? Because the Bible clearly tells me that every blessing of finances or supernatural vision comes with your obedience and the promise of God's faithfulness. Proverbs 3 a few scriptures I'm going to pray over you. Honour the Lord with your wealth, with the first fruits of all your crops. That's the condition. What's the promise? 
Then your barns will be filled to overflowing and your vats will brim with new wine. The, the condition is that we bring our first fruits to God. That belongs to Him. And then the blessing comes. If you don't put your finances on the altar, you will never learn to trust God in the big important things in your life. Because he knows that where your treasure is, there's your heart. And Jesus said before this scripture, this verse, when he says, therefore I tell you, he says you can't have two masters. You can't serve one or the other. You can't have God or money. And unless you deal with mammon in your life, you'll never see the provision of God in the extent that God wants to give it to you. Is that too much for you this morning? Because I want you to be blessed. I want to set you up for the blessing of turning your worry into worship. Just think about in 1 Kings when this woman was starving for her bread and Elijah says, I want you to go and make me some bread. He says, don't be afraid. Go home and do as I've said. The word of God spoke to this widow woman who was dying with her son. He says, but first make a small loaf of bread for me from what you have and bring it to me, and then make something for yourself. And the promise was that your oil in the jar will never run out. He said, but first, before you feed yourself, bring a small piece to me, what belongs to me, and put it on the altar, and watch my provision flow through your life that will never run out. And many preachers will use Malachi to manipulate churches to give. But God says, bring the tithe and the offering to my house and test me in this. The only place in Scripture where God tests his people and it's about money. He said, you can test me and trust me that if you bring your tithe into the storehouse, you watch what I will do in your life. I will open the floodgates of heaven. So much blessing we poured out on you, you'll not have enough room to contain it. He said, will you test me in this? Will you let me be trusted to you that I will promise that I will back up my word if you will obey me. Bring the whole tithe into the house and I will bless you. Jesus said, whoever can be trusted with very little can also be trusted with much. Listen to this. And if you have not been trustworthy with somebody else's property, who will give you property of your own? Can I just say this to your church? The tithe is God's property. It does not belong to you. It's God's. It's God's. And if you can't be trusted with somebody else's property, God's property, how can you be trusted with your own? See, God has got so much more for you as a, a believer. But you have to take a step into the promises of God and believe Him by faith that He will honour His Word. And so many of you are fearful about bringing the return to God because you'll have lack. And God is wanting to grow you and encourage you and prove that he is faithful. One minute and I'm finished, I promise. See, one Corinthians, on the first day of the week, first, put God first. Each one of you should set aside a sum of money in keeping with your income and saving it up for the collection. Two Corinthians, remember this, he who sows sparingly will also reap sparingly. You see, the promise is 
that he will bless you, but the condition is that you have to give of what he asked of you. Luke says, give and it will be given to you. A press down, good measure, and running over will come into your lap. And finally, as I pray, there was a massive need with a multitude, 20,000 people. And the disciples looked to Jesus and said, look, we only have a few, few source mission and loaves. And he says this, watch, bring it to me. Bring it to me. Once they placed it in his hands, he blessed it, broke it, and it multiplied and fed 20,000 people. See, once you trust him, he will open the floodgates of heaven over your life. The Bible says, trust in the Lord with all of your heart and lean not on your own understanding. Listen to me. Acknowledge him in some of your ways. No, no. Acknowledge him in all of your ways and he will make your paths straight. Father, I thank you, Lord, right now in, in this place as we come to our last song that we're going to turn worry into worship. Lord, we acknowledge that, number one, that you're our source. Lord, number two, that we are valuable. Lord, number three, that we will seek first the kingdom. And Lord, and number four, whatever promises that you provide us in this Bible, that we will say yes and amen. And Lord, we will obey every word and everything that you ask us to do. We will say yes. And we will lay it on the altar and we will watch you work in miraculous ways in our life. Lord, would you open the floodgates of heaven and I want to say to you today, if you've not begun to give financially to God, don't get condemned, but make a decision to trust God and see what He will do in your life. I promise you that God will 